Welcome to Zero to 60 on the Believe Network. I am your host, Matt McChesney. Happy Monday to everybody out there. Uh, football season is over. That's depressing, but one hell of a Super Bowl yesterday, Super Bowl 58, with the Chiefs coming out on top uh, in overtime over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, three-time Super Bowl champion Mark Slareth is going to be joining us on today's show to talk about you know, the season, the Chiefs dynasty, and so much more, uh, including just how hard it is to go back-to-back as he was a member of uh, one of the last two teams to do it. Uh, first time in 19 years that a, a squad has gone back-to-back. But as always, uh, the show is brought to you by our great friends at Bet Online, And with football over, uh, Bet Online still continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering uh, needs. And with the tournament coming up in March and Pro Bowl in full swing, uh, they are the place to go to get all of your wagering news, notes. Uh, I get my weather from that site, so really great site. Uh, they do a great job with their up-to-the-minute uh, odds. They're always refreshing uh, the wagering numbers on their site, and they do a really good job of making sure that the better has every opportunity to make some money. Uh, make sure you go and head to Bet Online today and become a part of uh, the team. And remember, the use of RoboCode Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online. The game starts here, and we roll on zero to 60, uh, the great Mark Sledeth joins us here um, <clears throat> on the Believe Network. And, and I I think that there he is. How are you, Stink? Good to see you, brother. Welcome to the show. I know you had a busy-ass morning. You've been talking all since 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's been good. It is, uh, you know, for me, it's depressing because I have such a connection to Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. The McCaffreys, you know, I've known Kyle since he was 12, probably, Christian since he's probably two. Um, so, you know, I've been around the McCaffreys and the Shanahans forever. And, you know, I was, I was a real I was a real 49er fan yesterday. I mean, I was really cheering on the 49ers because of those connections. Anthony Lynn was is their offense coordinator. He was a teammate of mine for the Broncos. Uh, Bobby, you know, uh, Bobby Turner was our running back coach. There are so many connections there for the 49ers, knowing John Lynch forever. So, yeah, I was um, I was, I was was pulling hard for the Niners. So as soon as they ended up losing that damn thing, you know, I flipped off the TV and uh, went to bed all upset. <laughs> but anyhow, I'm okay. I'll make it. Uh, like I said, the three-time Super Bowl champion, Mark Slaz, joins us here on 0-60. to 60, And I think everybody in Denver yesterday was pulling for the – for the Niners, yeah. just the connection and, you know, Christian and Ed and, you know, Bobby Turner, like you said, and Greasy and then Shanahan. And I mean, just seeing Mike yeah. up in the box and you can see the tension on his face. Mm-hmm. Look, everybody knows the outcome 25 22 overtime. What a football game. If you're the Niners, though, let's go with them first. How do they, I mean, I hate to say this, but how do you build off of this heartbreak? I mean, this is just ripping your guts out and just showing them to you. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I've heard a lot of the narrative about Kyle Shanahan can't win the big one, can only get you there, this, that, and the other, which is, you know, a bunch of garbage. But there were some questionable decisions. I think hindsight always lends you to kind of question or second guess what went down. Um, so, you know, we can talk a lot about that, but let's face it. Kyle Shanahan has lost three Super Bowls, one as an offense coordinator, two as a head coach to 
the two best quarterbacks that have ever fa- that, that have ever been on the face of the planet. I mean, that the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons, he lost that to Tom Brady, and obviously the last two that he's been a part of, he's lost to Patrick Mahomes, and he's had two different quarterbacks, Jimmy Garoppolo and you know and and Brock Purdy versus uh, Mahomes. So, like, there are a lot of things that go into this, and you know, the bottom line is, um, you've been beat by the two greatest ever to do it. And there's no shame in that, but I understand the narrative too. I understand people are going to question you. I understand all those things that kind of come with losing, but to get back to your question, how do you build on it? Well, you look one more year of experience for a quarterback. We're still loaded as a football team. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're damn good and we know we're really good. And so, you know, eventually that team kind of, decays and dissipates and ages out and that window starts to close. So you got to do something sooner than later, but um, they're still in good shape. Now that 91 Redskins team that you played on the hogs in, in every pretty much every publication that I can find everything online, it is the number one Super Bowl team ever. I mean, just mm-hmm. low the bear. Right. And I, I bring it up, not just for the greatness of the team, but People forget that that stretch of Redskins teams won with three different quarterbacks under Joe. Right. And Mark Rippon, you know, in 91, and Doug Williams, and Theismann, and, you know, they were all – it seemed like, you know, Coach Gibbs had the ability to put a guy back there that would run his system and manage things correctly, get the ball to his playmakers, and rely on an unbelievable offensive line that you were a part of. Do you, do you find some similarities here between between San Francisco and what they're doing? You think that Purdy can be kind of a solid force moving forward, or do they need to reshuffle the deck again and go find another guy? No, I think Purdy is that guy. I mean, I think Purdy is a really exceptional young quarterback. Um, you got to give credit to the Kansas City Chiefs, and they've relied on their defense all season long, and their defense has been outstanding. And then Steve Spagnola. Spags dialed up a couple of blitzes when they had yeah, to have did. them. And he got free runners, man. And some of those were protection breakdowns. I'm not sure what happened on the last third down and four, what the call was, but they definitely screwed that damn thing up. Both guards pinched down on the nose. So, like, what are you doing? I don't know. But obviously you screwed that thing up. And, you know, that's the difference between having a team that, you know, that has that belief that's been there, that's done that before, the attention to detail – how quickly that turns because that res- that receiver won on his little whip route on the outside. That was Jennings. Um, he won. He won the route. That was a touchdown. Had you blocked it correctly, and that's the difference in this league between winning and losing. And that's what the Chiefs seem to be able to do in crunch time moments, where other teams seem to fold in those crunch time moments. Is, is that a believability in your quarterback? Is that you know, if you are on defense, you believe that if we just give this guy an opportunity, if we just shut him and hold him to a field goal, you know we're going to win this thing. We're going to walk off. Is that your offense understanding? Hey, man, if we just buy Mahomes a little bit of time, Mahomes is going to make something happen. I believe there are all those things are true when you have a guy, and I play with a guy in John Elway, that you always just figure it out. No matter what has happened, no matter how far down we get, he's got the ability to make a couple of plays and put us right back in this thing. And so you brought up John, and you know, he was, you know, the 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 quarterback on a team that went back to back. Brady's Patriots went back to back in 0405. Kansas City goes back to back now, uh, first time in 19 years. Explain to everybody 
you know, because it's in the basketball world, there's three peaks. There's never been a three peak in, in pro football. It just explain to everybody how damn hard it is to go back to back. Yeah. I mean, just from an injury standpoint, from an attrition standpoint, you know, your roster turns over 30, probably 30% every year. And you think about that, you know, back in, back in the, early to mid nineties, it didn't happen as often because, you know, free agency probably didn't happen until like full free agency until like 95 or so. And so, but like it does, it turns over about 30% a year. You lose very prominent players. I think the thing that people really don't understand is you lose prominent guys who are glue guys within your locker room. You know, guys that are great special team mavens that all of a sudden get a chance to go somewhere else and start. Maybe it's a DB, maybe it's a linebacker. But you better have your finger on the pulse of the guys that provide levity, that provide a look in practice, the guys that are professionals, that maybe aren't starters, but are vital to the kind of lifeblood that courses through the veins of your organization. And those are the guys that I think tend to get overlooked and you lose a few of those guys and man, your team can totally take a different personality on. And so like the, the chiefs obviously have had a really good understanding of who their guys are and who their guys aren't guys that they can let leave. And, you know, and yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit from a talent standpoint, but it, it doesn't crush our spirit. And I think that's, that's the big thing. And then ultimately, you know, I was talking to my radio show today. Now it comes down to the rest of the AFC. It comes down to the Bills. It comes down to Josh Allen and Burrow and Herbert and Lamar and all the other good quarterbacks, man. You got to band together, all good teams. You got to band together and make sure the Chiefs don't do this again. And like that, that to me, this is a whole AFC thing, guys. You cannot let this team, and that's what you face every week. You face that kind of, even the bad teams, you face that kind of battle where you are a target and teams are going to try to come after you. So, look, they've been kind of sellers in Kansas City in the free agency and they let Tyree Kill go and they trade him and they Mm -hmm. do a good job in the draft. They haven't really been, you know, going out there and signing a bunch of big name guys. They just ride with Kelsey and Mahomes. They build around them. They do a good job of shuffling in offensive linemen, although the two tackles are definitely something they need to look at in the offseason. Do you think Kansas City is going to be more of a of a buyer moving forward, like a destination? Kind of what happened with the Patriots right afterwards. You know, they go on a dynasty, and then they get Welker and Moss, and they just start bringing in Odelius Thomas, and they got all these dudes coming in. They didn't really win with all those guys, but at the same time, you think Kansas City is going to be more of a buyer now than letting guys leave and go down that road? I, you know, I don't think so. I think they've done it the right way because normally in free agency, like you're getting good players at premium prices. That's how free agency works. So I think the second tier free agents where there's actually real value guys who are ascending that are second tier, where you have a chance to actually sign them and have them hit them on their way up, the most of the really high value guys are either flatlining or ascending a little bit. And so I think they've done it the right way with, um, you know, going after guys that are ascending players that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg. 
And then it, then it really becomes about the draft and the develop aspect. I, I think that's what we tend to forget when it comes to drafting guys. It's really not only the draft, but how do you develop a player? How do you get a player like a Chris Jones to be a dominant, dominant player um, over the course of a couple of years? And, and they've done that with Jones and Karloftis and some of their, some of their DBs, you know, uh, uh, even last year. At one point, they were starting seven rookies on their defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, and they were all their drafts and, and their picks. And, and you see now, all of a sudden, that defense really became the strength of this football team over the course of, of last year. And their second half, the way they shut teams down in the second half has been incredible. So, you know, I think that's, that's kind of how you do it. I think uh, – What's the guy's name over there? This GM, Brett Veach, has done a phenomenal job of putting putting that stuff together and understanding what we are and, and how we go about it. And I think that's one of the big things. When you're lockstep with your coach and you're lockstep with the organization, you, you guys understand what the coach is looking for and how we're gonna put this together and and you're all you're all on the same page. I think that's I think that's pretty incredible. Now look, this is a copycat league, brother. You know that more than anybody. Um, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a question that can be answered, but with the draft coming up, what can the Broncos and that front office and Sean Payton learn from their division rival that's won the division eight years in a row and looks like they're going to go nine, but what yeah. can you learn from Kansas city moving forward that we seem to have forgot since 2015? Well, I mean, ultimately I think you're not going to out Mahomes, Mahomes. That it's just not going to happen. Not happen. So, Right. So now, you know, I look at what lesson can you learn from them winning a Super Bowl? And to me, the lesson is you've got to have a better roster. You've got to create a better roster where it can win in a myriad of ways. And then ultimately you have to play keep away. I mean, there's not one person on the planet that when San Francisco had to settle for a field goal in overtime, they didn't go, well, that's over. Yep. Like Mahomes is going to drive them right down and they're going to find a way to score a touchdown. And, I mean, it was a foregone conclusion. You just kind of had to wait and watch. And that was kind of my takeaway is, you know, I go back to that third quarter and I heard Kyle Shanahan make this explanation. It was like, hey, they asked him about establishing the run. And he said, well, it's really hard to establish the run when you go three and out twice. And I thought to myself, that's true. You know what else is hard to establish the run is when you don't run it. And you went six straight plays where you threw the football. Yep. And went two, three and outs in a row. And that's egregious. And it's not only egregious because it didn't work, you know, and I get it if you complete one and you get a first down, then you hand the ball off and it gets you into a rhythm and all those things. I, I understand all that stuff. But I'm talking about eating up clock and keeping Mahomes off the football field as often as you can. That's That, to me, is the recipe. And does it – like, you still are going to lose probably more than you're going to win – but if you don't do that, you're going to lose every one of them. So that's kind of how I approach that stuff. You know, I, I always hear that stuff. Well, three and outs and three and outs, and we really didn't get to run the ball. Well, you, you really chose not to run the ball in some of those situations. I don't know about you, but in that overtime period, when they got first and goal from the nine or from the 15 yard line, I was like, run it four straight times, just run like it, it, like yeah. run it. And, you know, they get six yards in the first carry. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And then they got stuff for zero. And I think I'd have spread them and run it right back down their throat. You know, got a favorable box matchup. 
made them defend the pass and give it to Christian McCaffrey one more time and see if you can get yourself into a fourth down and one. I don't, I don't know that, you know, a couple of different mistakes made from a management standpoint, like, you know, hindsight being 2020, as I thought back to it and I was watching the game, you know, first I thought, well, why did you not, why did you not defer and get the ball second? So, you know, exactly what you have to do. Right. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe it's because your defense just defended the field and you gave up a, a game-tying field goal. Maybe you thought your guys were tired. Then I thought about that further, and it was 11 plays, but it was all dump-offs underneath because you were giving that to them. That's not exactly exhausting style of football. And then, two, you know, they, they score. You go to a TV timeout. You kick off. You go to a TV timeout. You yeah, go three kneel downs. Yeah. You go to a TV timeout. You go to the you go to the coin toss. You go to a TV timeout. I go that'd be eight minutes <laughs> of minutes. real time, right? The pass, like you're not exhausted. Yeah. Um, and then when I was watching Kansas City, I thought, what an advantage you have at having the ball second because every day, every fourth, it's it. You got five downs because fourth down is no longer relevant. That's a go for it down, even if you're on your own ten, because if you punt, you lose. Right. And so then I was like, wow, they know exactly what they have. And I don't know if you saw this, but out there, a couple of Kansas City players said, well, we really did discuss overtime. The new rules didn't really know them. And not that that makes that big a difference, but um, Kansas City said, we knew the rules. We were going to defer if we got, uh, Chris Jones said, we we're going to defer if we got the, if we won the coin toss, we would have deferred. And then if they scored seven, we were going to go down, tie it up seven, or we're going to go down and score, and then we're going for two to win it. And that and, makes sense. Right. And so I was like, as I was watching, I'm like, oh, third down and six. Well, normally that would be a stress down for any offense, right? Because we got to convert. So we got to throw it above the, you know, we got to throw it beyond the chains. And they're like, no, 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 no. We can check one down, get three, and, and have a, you know, a, a fourth and three or a fourth and two where now you have to defend everything. And we got Patrick Mahomes, and we got these quarterback runs in too. So, yeah, I just thought the tactical error by Kyle, you know, and again, hindsight 20, hindsight's always, you know, you always have clarity when it comes to hindsight. But as I thought back on it, um, I was like, wow, what a that was a colossal mismanagement of the game. And I'll tell you, picking against Patrick Mahomes in any facet these days is, I mean, it's Russian roulette. You're going to lose eventually. So, right. All right, look, I don't I, – I like the greatest of all time talk, but at the same time, there's so many great players that have played the position. I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, this. he's the GOAT. He Look, he's in the conversation sure. of, of best of all time. I got to believe that. At his age, with the, the way that that roster is constructed, and Andy Reid looks a spry 65 to me, I mean – what would be the determining factor in not being as good or better next year? Like Kansas city's not just going to fall off of a cliff. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm hundred percent with you. I thought Andy Reed really leaned into the run game this year, mostly because he had to, but I think he learned a valuable lesson. Even in that game late, Isaiah Pacheco is only averaging three, three and a half yards of carry, but you know what they kept doing? Giving it to Isaiah Pacheco. Kept running. They didn't stop. And, you know, and Mahomes, you mentioned, he's 28 years old, man. He's just going to start entering the prime of his quarterbacking career. And, you know, Kelsey is getting older. He's 34 years old. This is his 12th year. But I talked to 
Matt Nagy just before this season started. And he's like, one thing about Travis, he doesn't miss practice. He practices his ass off. He takes care of his body. He's like, the guy is an unbelievable route runner. And whatever he loses from a, you know, from a physical standpoint, he far makes up with it, it mentally. And then you saw the way Andy Reid used him, you know, even after the dust up on the sideline where he's pissed off, uh, you know, in, in the touchdown to um, MVS, like they used him as a decoy. They ran a little switch route and two guys go with Kelsey. <laughs> MVS is standing in the end zone, catching an easy touchdown. I like, man, that, that, that was big time. And so, yeah, I just like, they are that good. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, Who's going to check? You got the standard. Uh, the one thing about the AFC, you got a bunch of good quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of really good teams. But still, I, I'm with you. I mean, if if you're telling me it's between Mahomes and Lamar or Mahomes and Josh Allen or Mahomes and Burrow or Mahomes and Herbert or Mahomes and fill in the blank, I, I'll take Mahomes and take my chances. <laughs> Uh, the great Mark Slurris joins us here on uh, Zero to 60. You can hear him every morning on the fan on 104.3 out here in Denver. And also his podcast, the Stinking Good Podcast, right? Stinking Truth, yeah. Stinking Truth Podcast. And and look, I was listening this morning uh, in between, you know, getting to the getting back from the facility with the grind. And I was listening to Evans and Merrillat talk about, like, your Travis Kelsey rushed Andy Reid. And <laughs> – I mean, I was listening to your response, and you're like, guys, are you kidding me? How soft are you? Right. I saw a really passionate dude that wants the ball, and Andy Reid wasn't paying attention, and he he bumped him a little bit, and that was – and they were like, oh, hey, Travis, how are you? And then, like, I don't – I think that that's fire and passion. It's not Odell Beckham beating up the kicker net. Like, it's not – I don't think that Kelsey's looking for eyeballs when he reacts like that. He's a leader that wants the football – where do you fall on that, man? Because it's definitely not him going after his his unbelievably yeah. good coach. Yeah. First off, to call that a shove is an insult to shoves. Like you've never <laughs> you you've never scuffled if you think that's a shove. That was straight up an accidental titty bump, and uh, and like you said, like like uh, Reed was you know Andy was not he just wasn't ready for it. Uh, and Travis even tried to grab his arm, like, oh, shoot, I just bumped into my coach. Oh, no. There was a sudden panic on Travis's standpoint. But listen, man, like anybody who's ever spent any amount of time on an NFL sideline as a player or coach um, or player and player, you've had a few of those dust-ups. Every one of us has. And, like, if you don't understand that, then – then you just have never you've never been around it you've never played you've never you've just never seen it um but yeah that was that was that was completely accidental physical contact and yeah i've had people on social media like well okay it's okay to shove your coach and get in your like yeah. are you serious yes it is it's okay yeah. uh, i've shoved a few co- coaches like get out of my face so yeah there's there's been a few of those instances where uh it takes a bit, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I was like, whatever. I didn't even, even when I saw it, it, I had no bearing to me on the game. I was like, good for, good for, you know, Travis, he's pissed. He wants the ball. You know, he's pissed that they, they just turned it over. I, I'm with him. So, I, look, I thought the last night's Super Bowl was incredible. It was entertaining. I was obviously pulling for San Francisco. I know you turned it off at the end. 
Yeah. I know you saw this. Okay. Now I personally <laughs> don't know how to react to this, bro. Right. This is the Duke walking out the trophy yeah. to the Chiefs and the Raiders stadium. And then he's on the, the podium with him. Like Larry Zonka was involved in this too. They couldn't switch and he couldn't do the other job and Zonka couldn't do this. Like, yeah, I don't think this is on John. He was just told where to go, probably honoring a Super Bowl team. But damn, this is a bad look. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, it it didn't like I know how those things happen. Like I so when my son was pitching the big leagues, um, he had a the, the season finale, the three game finale was at the Cubbies. So it was in Chicago. And it was on my list of – it was on my bucket list. I, I promised my son when he was 12, there were three stadiums I'd never step in unless he was pitching them. And that was, you know, Wrigley, that was Fenway, and that was Yankee Stadium. And I got to see my son pitching all three of those stadiums. And so the Cubs called me up and, um, and knew that Daniel at the time was a rookie. He was pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So they called me up and said, hey, man, you know, we know you're going to be here. Um, we'd like you to throw out the first pitch and then sing the seventh inning stretch. And I instantly said, absolutely, I'm in, right? (laughs) I was so excited. Then I hung up and then I started thinking about it. And I realized, man, I'm there to support my son. I could just see my son warming up at the bullpen and me up there looking like an idiot going, take me out to the ball game, right? (laughs) And so then I called the Cubs back and go, hey, listen, on second thought, no. this is probably not the best idea. Yeah, I'm going. I'm honored, but I'm just not going to do it. And which they were totally cool with. But I'm sure when they asked John, you know, a month ago or whatever, because it was, I think it was to honor the 25th anniversary of our Super Bowl, Super Bowl right. 32. John was like, sure. And I'm sure there was a minute there when he got the trophy from Zonka was like, oh, shoot, I didn't really think this out. But I'm in, I'm in too deep right now, right? So I it didn't really – I've seen it since. Um, it didn't really bother me. I was like, I mean, I, I get how it goes. But there are a lot of people on my radio show, a lot of people on our text line that were none too happy with Elway uh, over the kind of over the look of celebrating what seemed to be celebrating the Chiefs um, and not just – it's kind of like it's almost for me like a presidential thing. Like, I res- I may not like the guy in office, but I respect the hell out of the office of the presidency. Right. right. So I'm going to go ahead and and I'm not going to act like a petulant child. I'm going to honor the the office of the president. So that's I guess that's how I I take that one. Well, I'll say this: the last time I saw him hoist a trophy, they were winning one. So hopefully, this motivates everybody. Uh, down there at Dove Valley and UC Health to yeah. get another one. So the great Mark Sled joins us. Brother, thank you so much for coming on the show. Enjoy your Monday and the offseason. I know you'll be back to work very soon. Remember, every morning on 104.3 The Fan, uh, just does a great job with Mike Evans and a staple out here in Denver uh, on, on, on the morning ride. So, brother, thank you so much. Have a great day and uh, keep it up, Stink. You got it, Matt. Take care, buddy. Talk to you Later, soon. Brother. Peace. What what a absolutely great interview with Mark Slayer, three-time Super Bowl champion, you know, a member of the Hogs. And if you don't know anything about the Hogs, go look up the 91 Redskins. I mean, they were just unbelievably loaded on both sides of the ball with Hall of Famers and the best offensive line maybe that's ever played, uh, you know, man-to-man all five. And 
Mark Rippon and, you know, Gerald Riggs and just dudes to Gerald Green and dudes everywhere. So, you know, won that Super Bowl and then kind of, you know, he'll even tell you had to leave Washington, you know, and I didn't want to. But, you know, the business of football got involved and ended up in Denver. And not only is he one of the toughest guys in NFL history with so many surgeries and so many shit, so much shit that he overcame, but a staple uh, in the, in the offensive line room for the Broncos for their two Super Bowls, started every game, was always there, you know, really helped a young Tom Nalen and a young Brian Habib come to come to their own and, you know, playing next to Zimmerman and Tony Jones. And it was just the perfect combination. So Stink does such a great job, and we love having him on the show. Uh, remember that the show is brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online. Make sure you go give them some love. Thank you for all that they do. Tomorrow, all right. Tomorrow we've got a big show. All right. And and yesterday, I'm not gonna lie, and I'll probably tell him tomorrow on the show. I was pulling for San Francisco. Actually, I may not tell him. I don't know. Uh, I was pulling for San Francisco. I want to see McCaffrey get a ring, and Mike's already got two, and now he's got three. And Big Mike went to Grandview, and I've been working with him for a long time. I posted a cool video on TikTok this morning of him, what we call it Bat King, and I'll show it tomorrow when we do the the interview, but. They run this like quick deuce double team at him in the game. And instead of playing the guard, he goes and shelves uh, Trent Williams, who I believe is the best left tackle I've ever seen play. And he shelves Trent and throws his ass on the ground and just eats Christian McCaffrey in the hole. Six tackles last night, a forced fumble, a TFL. I mean, he's up for contract. He's won three rings with the Chiefs. Hey, Broncos. We need us. We need a badass defensive lineman next to Zach. Next to Zach Allen, Purcell's probably on his way out. Sixty nine would look real, real good in orange and blue to come home. Pay this man. He will be our guest tomorrow on the show uh, to talk about the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes, everything that goes into being a Kansas City Chief, uh, and a, a, you know a great part of the Dungeon family and a guy who has been through so many ups and downs in his career and always pushes forward. But when you think the chips are, are stacked against Big Mike. He always comes out on the other side with a big smile on his face. So I'm so excited to have him on the show tomorrow. Um, we're going to try and go every day this week. Uh, if we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. We appreciate everybody out there. Make sure you like and subscribe. Um, we got a lot of big news coming up here as we move into 2024 with the gym and the show and uh, the body bags and a bunch of other shit. So really appreciate you all. We'll have this up on Spotify here shortly. Thank you to Mark Sleth for coming on the show. Thank you to Bree Macis for all she does behind the scenes. And we are, uh, we're out. So yeah, big Mike tomorrow on the show. Have yourself a great day, folks.